Welcome to an episode of Bangerangs and Daggers. I'm your co-host, John Johnson, Corn Nation. We are going to be talking about one of the most thankless things in all of sports, and that is Nebraska basketball, men's basketball, just to be completely clear. And I'm joined by Kevin Knight, one of our writers, one of our basketball writers at Corn Nation, who is, and we actually have basketball writers. And you're watching this on YouTube. I want to point this out. I know that college football is the king, and I know a lot of you have probably subscribed to the channel because you want to see college football content. We're going to cover a lot of things. And if you just do one thing, don't eliminate your subscription. You could be looking at a whole season of content from, like, the story of the little engine that could because that's what we're looking for from Nebraska basketball. <laughs> at least I am. <sighs> Kevin, where do we start with this? Uh, well, I think um, probably a, a good point as any is just to to highlight the fact that going into year four of the Fred Hoiberg era, I uh, just kind of look at why it it hasn't gone as expected uh, as as good a point as any. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's a lot of pessimism about Nebraska ball that I think in part with the Hoiberg hire gets lumped in with the Frost hire and no offense, but I mean, the, the differences between the two is huge. Frost yeah. was an up and coming coach and Hoiberg was somebody who had a proven track record at a power six program. Whereas Frost was at a group of five football program with two years. He didn't really have a real program here. Um, you know, Hoiberg is a phenomenal recruiter. He had, uh, you know, unique offense at back in the Ohio state days. And I think you can look at the roster breakdown and just see one, they came in and made a huge mistake in that they were like, well, you know, this is a nothing program. We need to literally build this program from scratch. And it's like, that's not really true. You know, I mean, yeah, Nebraska ball doesn't have a conference championship since, uh, the 1950s, um, you know, they don't have a single NCAA tournament win in seven tries. Even Northwestern, uh, pre his hire, oh, made it to the NCAA tournament and won on its first try. Finally, the the one at bat that Northwestern had. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't bring that all up to uh, rub salt on an old wound, but I mean, it's, it's not a, a very successful program, but it's had some some great things at least it had an nit title in the 90s that's not nothing it really isn't um yeah and and so they came in and we're just like we need to wipe the slate and start over and we're just going to have a year zero like they literally just went out and got who they could get and didn't really frankly need to run out the guys that they ran out because they weren't really any better or worse than the guys that they brought in and i think the biggest problem that he's had since then is the fact that he just hasn't had a point guard to run the offense. You know, year one was basically just a, it's going to be what it is until we can build out a roster with recruiting and transfers that don't have to sit out a year because that was when you still had to sit out after transferring. Uh, you know, wow. Really wasn't that long ago, was it? It feels like no. forever ago, but it really wasn't. Um, and and so year one was basically just, a, you know, we're, we're going to sacrifice year one. And then year two was COVID. And it was just a complete mess. You know, um, they didn't really have a, a lot of ability to practice. They didn't 
they shut down for an entire month in January. And by the time they finally get things rolling, it's March. They've already shot themselves in the foot in terms of having any success or opportunity for the postseason. And then the next season, you come in and you lose Trey McGowns, who's one of the key leaders right from the get-go. You lose a couple close games. You lose Wilhelm Breidenbach. And again, you don't have a real point guard, especially with Troy McGowan's going down. And by the again, by the time the team starts building something, the season's already been shot to hell in terms of any long-term success with it. And so it, it just ended too early. Um, and, and I don't honestly know that we can look at this season and say that they have a point guard, which is one of the biggest problems that they've had. But... Maybe they do. Uh, they certainly talked about it a lot at Big Ten Media Days. So I, I think, okay. yeah. Fred Hoiberg has, I think he's pumping this idea that this year is different. Should we start there? Why is, what do you think this year is different? It, it was kind of interesting, actually, um, in some of his things that he chose to focus on at Media Days, that he was talking about team unity. Um, and and how close they are and how focused they are and whatnot. And I I think it's interesting that he chose that, given the fact that uh, just last season, two of the guys on the team were brothers. And I forget who exactly has played with them growing up at in AAU ball and high school and whatnot. Um, so the fact that you had that, family dynamic on the roster and yet this year is the year where you focus on talking about how close-knit the team is and how focused and zeroed in they are and how much time they spend together off the court um i don't know it, it's an interesting is that is, is that marketing though but, don't you think that's yeah, kind I mean, of a marketing he, he, thing because yeah, i mean every thing has, has been, to come up with a narrative his thing has been roster turnover i guess for me me as a guy who doesn't, I don't understand basketball that well. And but I look, I want the team to be successful. I like the players, well because they're wearing a <laughs> red M. But uh, you know, when I look at him, I go, my God, could he turn the roster over any more than he already has? And maybe that's it this year. We actually have, you know, we have some people gone, but we do have some guys coming back. Yeah, and yeah, the roster continuity is. It's nice for a change. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as you mentioned, um, you know, there, there are some departures and they're not minor. Uh, Bryce McGowan's is gone. The first five-star recruit out of high school and a first round, right? First round. I forget if he slipped to the second round. I should know this off the top of my head, so I apologize for uh, slipping on that. But um, yeah, I mean, he NBA draft, uh, draftee out of his year. First one and done in program history, too. And he was the leading scorer. He had 16.8 points per game and uh, 5.2 rebounds per game. And he was the second best rebounder despite being a wing on the team. So, I mean, that that's significant. And also gone is Alonzo Verge Jr., who is the second leading scorer on the team and the leading assist with 14.5 points per game and 5.5 assists, which is kind of stunning when you think about it because he was not at all a pass-first point guard, which was part of the problem, uh, in my opinion, was he didn't run an offense. He ran, um, a lot of our commenters like to call it hero ball, and, and right. that, that was his style. And without Trey McGowan's out there early on, that's what they did through a lot of games was just have Alonzo and Bryce not really be true ball hogs, but be a I'm going to try and score rather than run any type of scheme. And despite the 
the talk about the spacing and, and whatnot, Hoiberg did run sets last season. Um, he did a lot of things to try and uh, figure out how to get the offense moving. And frankly, it might be addition by subtraction with losing these guys, but there's still a lot of production lost by them. But right. on the flip side, um, you know, you've got a lot of guys coming back that are huge. You have the biggest get is the fact that Derek Walker Jr. is back. Yeah. And our leading uh, rebounder with nine point, uh, I'm sorry, six rebounds per game. And he was the third leading scorer with 9.5 points per game. Uh, but I think you'll see uh, the, the offense this year really make it an emphasis to get the ball in his hands. Um, he's not somebody who uh, is incapable of scoring down low, but he's also not somebody who, uh, you know, I always like to make, Michigan State references because that's who I'm more familiar with. Obviously, yeah, you know, he he's not a Nick Ward. You, you pass the ball down to Nick Ward a couple of years ago when he was the center for MSU, and the ball ain't coming back. He he could produce, but my God, the man was just one of the most ball centric uh, centers in in college basketball uh, in his final seasons. And and Walker's not that. He has the ability to dish it back out, which is important with the offense that Hoiberg runs and the wing sets that he has, So or the, the skill on the wing. Um, so that, that one's a huge get. Um, also back is uh, C.J. Wilcher, who uh, was a Xavier transfer, um, kind of came along last year, uh, you know, um, didn't has a lot of hype in terms of his recruiting, uh, out of high school and should be able to build on that. I think this year I uh, was the fourth leading scorer with 8.1 points per game. He's obviously going to have to up that. Um, and finally, Wilhelm Breidenbach is going to be a big, big uh, get in terms of coming back from injury last year, uh, not just because of the sports goggles and not just because of the name. <laughs> um, he, he was showing a lot of process progress rather as a freshman early on and unfortunately went down very early on in the season uh, with a knee injury that took him out for the season. And uh, Hoiberg definitely highlighted him in Big Ten media days. And I think he's going to be a huge get for a returning player as well. And we're going to see him compliment I, um, Walker down low. But I always said he looked like a serial killer, honestly, and he still does to me. I wonder if he's changed his hairstyle, but he can play that up. You know, maybe there's nil deals in that for him. Uh, what is he? I mean, honestly, what is William Breidenbach? I don't understand. I, You know, like me, I'm the, the dumb guy. I kind of get the difference between a shooting guard and a point guard. You know, point guard runs the offense, assists tries to drive dish out get the get the defense to react to him some stuff like that uh you know Derek Walker big guy go get rebounds score underneath cause tension for other huge big guys I don't understand what William Breidenbach is yeah so um he's power forward um which can vary a bit with Hoiberg's offense um I, I our uh sort of basketball writer Nate McHugh is uh, a lot better at explaining some of the nuances of this than I am being he's a high school basketball coach but um, basically Hoiberg has two uh, types of offense that he runs with the four more or less uh, there's the space uh, style which he's more well known for but he also has started to get a little more traditional with it so the the uh, power forward is essentially I look at it uh, he, he's kind of like a tight end compared to a fullback, uh, I, I guess is how you could look at it. You know, the, the center is the fullback. He's the big giant guy down low. Uh, he pushes you around. He scores down under the basket 
and uh, can you know come out and set picks and whatnot, aka block for the quarterback, that kind of thing. Tight ends, the same kind of the same thing to a, to a lesser extent. He he has more uh, versatility in his style of play because he's a smaller guy. Um, so in in that way, uh, I think you know you you can see him play more at the top of the key or you can see him pushed out to the wing if they're going to try and open up the lane for, for the wings to drive in uh, on that. Uh, Breidenbach is more of a traditional power forward in, in that way. Um, I, I think he can certainly play out in space, but uh, he's somebody who is more of a traditional big 10 power forward who can also, you know, the, the other thing is they can supplement the center if you're going to play small ball or if you have to, because of foul trouble and, uh, that that's basically what Breidenbach is. Should we go through some more of the returning guys that I have questions about, or should we just get to who's new? Yeah, yeah. Uh, feel free to ask on on the new guys. Those are the three off the top of my head that that are uh, highlighting. But um, who who else? Yeah, like I say, time Tamanaga. I mean, he's the shooter guy. He he did it didn't really end up rhythm. I mean, yeah, people loved him because I think they saw the effort he played with, and had just at times he was just tough. And but he never materialized into a scoring machine that we desperately need. Yeah. Um. So Tominaga's uh, a very how do I don't want to phrase it? He's he's an excited player. He brings a lot of heart to the floor. Um. But he also was a prolific three point shooter in the juco level and frankly it doesn't always translate to uh, a power six level uh, especially a big 10 power six um granted the big 10's kind of uh, dog shit this year but um yeah it, it's still a tough league to play in and it has tough venues to play in um i think maybe he might do better if they do a better job moving the ball around and he can uh, get into rhythm as a catch and shoot guy um, I'm not sure that he really ever had the opportunity on that. Uh, also, you know, I mean, just a year in the league might help because he wasn't used to that level of competition. So hopefully we can see that. I'm not necessarily confident, but he's definitely going to be somebody coming off the bench and not a starter. That's for sure. Corin McPherson. Is that his name? Yeah. What, what, what's the deal with him? I'm just going to admit ignorance. I have no idea on him. <laughs> Warren McPherson, hard redshirt freshman. I'm looking at the roster, so he really not making much of an impact. Then we had Oleg Koyanitz, uh, the dude from Lithuania. I don't even think he barely played last year, but I mean, he's seven foot tall. You could just put him someplace down low, right, and expect him to be a body. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely somebody who's who's a body. Um, uh, He was supposed to be able to be a big man who can shoot, uh, including from outside. But I think in part his size is a problem. He's a, he's a small guy. He's tall, but he's small in, in terms of weight and size. Uh, and that, that can be tough to uh, play through in the big 10 when you're a big man like that. Um, hopefully he, he hit the weight room and uh, can maybe come along a bit. Um, I mean, he, he needed to work on his shooting too. Um, so hopefully he's, he's again, adjusted to the big 10 and, and can bring something more, but uh, definitely going to be uh, again, coming off the bench. So we want to go through the new guys starting yep. with Sam, Sam Greisel. Yep. So uh, Sam, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Is that is how you pronounce his name? I got to learn this stuff from you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think he got it right. Um, so he he's a hometown kid actually from Lincoln originally, and so he's got a lot of um interest in him from a fan perspective in that sense. And uh, he he had a fun line that I don't have memorized, but roughly paraphrase is basically I'm trying to make my ten year old self proud this season. Uh, was his line from media days, which was kind of fun. <laughs> um, you know, he's somebody who grew up watching Nebraska ball, being a Nebraska ball fan. So first off, you know, hats off to him for being one of the few out there that does that. Uh, they could use more. Um, but I mean, it, it's going to be fun seeing him enjoy being able to play for Nebraska for his final season. And frankly, when he got announced as a uh, grad transfer uh, from uh, one of the North Dakota schools, I, again, I'm going to get vilified for not remembering which one it was. I think it North was Dakota North State. Dakota State. Th- th- yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's coming from North Dakota State, and so in that sense, um, not a bad program, but, uh, you know, you see a lot of players come up from not Power 6 programs, and they struggle a bit in the Big Ten, and he's a three-star uh, transfer recruit. Um, so as a transfer, he's rated as a three-star. And that's not, that's not bad, but, I mean, it's not a top-shelf a point guard transfer. Um, but Hoiberg was particularly raving about his ability to uh, bring the ball up under pressure and be the floor general that has been lacking previously and talking about him at media days. And I think the level of maturity, the excitement that he brings to the program as a fan who gets to play for the team that he's rooted for all his life, mm-hmm. combined with the fact that he uh, apparently is somebody who can run the offense for a change. Um, I, I think that's going to definitely help in that regard. Um, so I, he, he actually, uh, media days got me more excited, frankly, about him than I had previously thought, uh, because in part I was a little pessimistic about the fact that they've lost uh, Cam Mack, they've lost Delano Banton, they lost Trey McGowns. Who do they even have on the roster at this point? That's a true point guard who can do this. Apparently Sam is, so... Hopefully, hopefully that's right. Uh, Jawan Gary. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'll ignore um, the first name there. Uh, carries a little bit of a familiar um, aspect to somebody who has some aggressive uh, tendencies um, in the league. But no, uh, Jawan Gary is a, a good recruit out of Alabama. Um, he had... Uh, a lot of promise. Um, he was a four-star coming out of high school. Uh, he was only a three-star as a transfer, though. Um, but he he was on a good Alabama team uh, the past two seasons, and he played more of a role-player role there than I think he expected because of the talent there. Uh, but he's played in the NCAA tournament. Um, he's had a lot of success in the SEC. or he, He's been on a team that's had a lot of success on an up SEC league um, the past two seasons. So he's, he's a good addition and a good score uh, for, for Nebraska to get out of the, the portal. Blaze Keita. This is the, uh, a lot of our hopes are writing. Yep. Uh, so I, um, I, I believe it's Kaida. Blaze Kaida. I could be wrong. Um, I think that's 
that's it. But yeah, so another Juco uh, recruit who uh, really lit it up, helped his team win a national championship um, or runner up. a pretty sure it was a national title um, in the Juco route two seasons ago. Uh, he did phenomenal there. Uh, great big. Uh, also, I believe somebody who has the ability to push out the de- defense by keeping him honest with uh, an outside shot. Uh, that's not nothing and and you're going to have to defend it and help open up the lane, but also should be able to bring some size and power down low. Emmanuel Bandemel. Yep. Uh, another transfer. Uh, he got brought up a bit uh, by uh, Hoiberg at media days. Again, he was an SMU wing and uh, brought some, some good scoring uh, to the SMU offense. So another, uh, Yet another wing who supposedly can score from the transfer portal. We've had a lot of those supposedly. So um, hopefully, hopefully he lives up to that <laughs> reputation. <laughs> you're not, you're not saying you think you, you're in terms of sales and marketing here, you're going a little flat on some of these names, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an SMU transfer. Juwan Gary is a, a great ad. Um, Emmanuel Bondamel is more of a has promise, but let's see how he develops. Um, when it, when it comes to non P six transfers, um, I tend to be a little more skeptical when they come up to a, a bigger league, they've got promise, which is why they've come up, but also it's an increased level of competition. And I mean, he, he did well at S- SMU, um, but let's see how he does when he gets into the the grind of playing in a Big Ten arena in January and February, game in and game out. Um, I, I, by all means, I mean he could be a great scorer. But Hoiberg's gotten a couple of them at Nebraska uh, when they get the ball. Again, back to the point guard setting up the offense right and and guys being able to to produce when they do get the ball in in that uh, that format, but. <laughs> Ramel Lloyd, who is not who is actual recruit and not a transfer. Yep. Yeah. Four star recruit. Uh he brings a lot of promise. I think um yeah, he he'll he'll probably see some minutes this season. Um uh, maybe even later on in the season work into a, a starting role. We'll see. But um I mean d- definitely a lot of potential here with uh four star recruit. Um, that's not anything to scoff at. And the fact that Hoiberg is still bringing in these guys that are four-star recruits or five-star recruits with Bryce McGowan's with his record, I think speaks to the fact that he is a coach who has a proven track record and it just hasn't gone well so far at Nebraska. But, you know, he's getting guys like, Let, like Ronald Lloyd. I, let's be honest. I mean, nobody has figured it out in Nebraska. You know, there's that lack of an NCAA win. It has to be the biggest monkey in sports. I mean, uh, you know who I feel bad for is Kent Pavelka. You know, I've talked to that guy on and off over the years, and he he even said, you know, when Tim Miles was fired uh, about the NCAA win, he said, uh, you know, I'm getting old. I want to see this happen before I'm gone. And, you know, I, 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 every time I think about Nebraska basketball, I think about Kent Pavelka. All these years he's dedicated to this program. What a good job he's been doing is, quite frankly, Nebraska's Mr. Rogers. And, you know, I hope that things can come around, which leads us to what are we facing for a schedule? I mean, we, we are starting Nebraska basketball basketball season like 
tomorrow, an exhibition, what, Shattering State or something? And then the October 30th, I think, yep, is the that's first that's right. Uh, yep, yeah, tomorrow is the first uh, exhibition game. There's one more against Colorado, uh, which is a home-and-home uh, -home series that started last year as a preseason uh, great charity exhibition game. And the season starts November 7th, uh, which is coming up very quickly. Um, again, I, I say this as somebody who's a Michigan State fan uh, growing up. Um, the non-conference, there's not a lot to get excited about. Um, it, it's one that they should should be able to uh, work hard through, get the rotation down, figure out what works and what doesn't. And there's a couple challenges, but, um, you know, I mean, I'm my primary team faces four AP top 25 teams in the first five games of the season with up to six or seven of them, um, potentially ranked teams in the non-conference alone. So like, the, we, we gotta have baby steps, man. We gotta have, you know what I mean? This is like PJ Fleck. Because we have to make these football references because nobody understands basketball at Nebraska. This is like PJ Flex non-conference, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean it, 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 it's it's Michigan non-conference. It's Michigan football non-conference this year. You know, Hawaii, Connecticut, ooh. and I forget who the other nobody was. You know, it, it's one of the. It, it, it's not that bad, frankly. Um, you know, there, there are some good, some good challenging games by all means. It's. It's not nothing. It's just there's a lot of games that offer the opportunity to figure this out and get some wins, which is what this team needs, frankly. Um, you don't need – Michigan State doesn't need the schedule that they have this year, especially with the roster they have. Um, you know, it, it's just merely a, if I sound less than excited about some of the games, that that's why. That's all. So, um, But, I mean, th there's an early test at St. John's. That's going to be uh, the first – at bat for this team to figure things out. Um, they're not a ranked team by any means, but they are number 37 in Ken Palm uh, heading into the season. Um, I'm, I'm a big Ken Palm guy. I, I think his numbers are are helpful for, for that context. And the next up is going to be when they head to Orlando for the ESPN Events Invitational, where they open up with, unfortunately, it's not a Black Friday game against Oklahoma. Um, you can't really guarantee that with a bracket. Uh, but they open up on Thanksgiving Day against Oklahoma, who, again, isn't ranked, but they're a good team in the Big 12, which is the top, pains me to say, top basketball conference pretty much this year, uh, and they were last year. Um, Oklahoma's number 28 in Ken Palm. They're going to be a tough game. Um, neutral court, whereas St. John's is an away game, uh, which makes it doubly hard uh, against the Red Storm. And after uh, Oklahoma, depending on how that goes, they'll play either Seton Hall, who's number 48 in Ken Palm, or Memphis, who's number 34. But Memphis is also receiving a vote in the AP preseason poll as well. Uh, they're not ranked, but they did get one AP vote. Um, so again, very quality teams in, in those ones. Um, frankly, that's it for the non-conference for games that are going to be a good measuring stick of can this team compete in the Big Ten? Um, are they figuring things out? Uh, there's a, a fun matchup against, obviously, the old Big 8, 12 foe in Kansas State, but Kansas State's kind of garbage. So, I mean, they're, they're not terrible, but uh, they're 77 in Kempom. And, I mean, once you start getting that low, it's not – you're not a bad team. Uh, where where are we at? Where's Nebraska? Yeah. Uh, they are – they're not – they're not dead last in the Big Ten. 
they sit one spot ahead Minnesota. I I believe Nebraska is 105, Minnesota is 106, or it's 106, 107, something like that. Um, so they're just on the outside of that upper third, more or less. Uh, as long as you're a top 100 team, uh, that's sort of the measuring stick on on you're a team that uh, you can't sleep on. Um, don't don't count it out. Don't think you're going to get the win. Uh, once you start getting outside 150, it's kind of like if you lose, you better write off any hope of of a uh, NCAA tournament bid because that's a big black mark on your resume at that point. So what, Big Ten, uh, we have tough stretches in the schedule, and you you have multiple times said the Big Ten, I think you called them dog shit earlier. Yeah, Last I mean, year, I think the Big Ten was like all like, oh, the Big Ten, and then went to the NCAA tournament and pooped all over themselves, didn't they? Yeah, including, I mean, the, the last – Including, and we have to include this, I believe Purdue had a shot to, like, get to the Final Four, and they lost to some team they had no business losing to. And I like to point that out because I like to see others' pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I always love making fun of Purdue basketball fans. They they are so obnoxious. They have ridiculous tinfoil hats on recruiting conspiracy theories. Um, I, I, with some some MSU guys that is always uh, gotten from Indiana. Um, so I, I'm always here to to see pain for the Boilermakers. But no, I mean, the, the Big Ten has had a couple seasons of some of the toughest uh, slates in terms of quality teams that have just been complete flops in the NCAA tournament. And at the end of the day, whether it's right or wrong, the NCAA tournament is what defines being a successful program in college basketball. If you're not winning in the NCAA tournament, uh, even you know just getting a second weekend let alone Final Four or national titles. And then CAA, or the, the Big Ten hasn't had a team win a, win a national title since 2000. They've had three or four, five at-bats, and they've lost every single time, including, hilariously, uh, the most recent national title held by a team that is now in the Big Ten is Maryland, who won their national title as an ACC team over Indiana in 2002. So, uh, you know, the, you have to go all the way back to 2000 for the most recent national championship. Um, and this year, I mean, the Big Ten's just down. Indiana is the highest ranked team heading in the AP, uh, it, it, highest ranked team in the preseason AP, rather, heading in season number 13. And if you look at Indiana's roster, it, how are they number 13? Uh, like, I, it's they're Indiana. not a bad team. Yeah, like I, I, I got uh, criticized in in my article uh, previewing uh, the Big Ten this week, uh, where I was just like, you know, I mean, look at the roster, and Indiana's not that good. And this Indiana fan was like, well, you didn't write enough about Indiana, but you know, it's early in the season. It's like, you know, it, I'm I'm covering uh, seven teams here at once, and you're the only person who commented on this. So, you know, uh, Indiana's not a bad team. They've got one of the better players in the league with Trace Jackson Davis. And they right. also got a nice coup with stealing Miller cop out of the transfer portal from Northwestern. But beyond that, it's a lot of good, not great players that don't make a great team. Um, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be ranked. I'm just saying, why are they number 13 and why are they favorite to win the big 10? It's because there's a lot of mediocre in the big 10. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the traditional powers, um, Iowa, uh, 
I mean, first off, they're not really a power until they learn how to play defense. Um, then they're <laughs> down uh, some of their key guys. Wisconsin's kind of meh. Thank God Brad uh, Davidson is gone. It's about freaking time. Um, and then Ohio State lost nine guys. They have a great recruiting class, but they lost nine guys, and they have to figure out how to piece together a team out of the transfer portal and uh, be a freshman. Michigan lost 10 guys. The only person they have is Hunter Dickinson back, um, who, you know, great center, but also not that great if you figure out how to play against them. Um, Maryland's in the first year of uh, the Kevin Willard era and piecing things back together. Rutgers is, uh, it lost now both guys that have basically established the program as a, a not joke and a good competitive team. And they need to figure out how to make that work uh, going forward. Penn State has things looking uh, better long term, but they're not great this season. Minnesota's uh, got some they just picked up one of the top recruits in the country for next year's class. But that doesn't do anything yeah. for them this year. And they're they're trash. Um, Illinois is going to be down a bit. Uh, you know, Purdue's definitely down a bit, but tough. I mean, there, there's a lot of decent to good teams, but there's a lot of reasons why none of them stand out. So it's so just, we, this could be our year. That, that, that's why I'm critical of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Nebraska could just by the simple fact of if if you can figure out a point guard and make this work, uh, you know, I mean, the Big Ten's there for the taking to finish in the upper half. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Nebraska should be a, a contender for the title, but by all means, right. there's no reason why they shouldn't be headed in for at least a Thursday game in the Big Ten uh, conference tournament this year uh, in Chicago when when the time comes to it, if, if things mesh. And frankly, the, the schedule, too. Um, sorry, I'll just make this point real quick. And then um, the, the, the thing is, is there's not any huge stretch um one of the the tougher things about the big 10 is the venues are are difficult to play in and there's no stretch where you look at it where you have a road game at uh you know one of the the historical most difficult places to play and then you follow that up with continuing games against top teams whether on the road or at home there's only two stretches really where that stands out and that's january 13th to the 18th with illinois at purdue and ohio state and then you have February 8th to the 14th with Michigan, Wisconsin, and at Rutgers. That's the only time where there's not a, a game that should be a competitive grab, um, whether because it's at home against a, a good team or a road game against a less than stellar opponent. It, it's a very competitive schedule in, in that way compared to some of the previous years, especially in COVID where they just had to simply play where they could to the point of playing back-to-back -back nights at Maryland uh, two nights in a row, uh, just because they were trying to cr cram in the schedule uh, because the big 10 didn't give them kid gloves. Like they did a certain team that claims a fake title for the regular season that year. <laughs> wow. So. <laughs> oh, there's two things. I had them in my head just a minute ago. There's two things I think most people don't understand about basketball that are Nebraska fans, and that's number one, we lost to Purdue in football, but we can get them back by beating them at basketball. And I don't think Nebraska fans have any concept of that, how much it bothers Big Ten teams across sports to lose games against, like, well, us in basketball particularly. So if you're a Nebraska fan, you got this far into this thing and you're listening to this, 
you can, if we beat Purdue at all, even at home, you can go out and make fun of Purdue all you want. Same goes for Iowa, any other Big Ten team, because to them it's an embarrassment to lose for us. And every once in a while we should just be able to swagger about something. Uh, the second thing is, is I think people don't have any idea of the how huge the home court is an advantage. And I, I done articles on this in the past, and you know most people don't pay attention. So, uh, what I think Michigan State's home court is eighty six percent, eighty six percent something it, like that. It might have dipped down to like eighty five or something um, with how bad they've been the past two seasons. Um, which I mean, they still I think had a winning record at home, uh, even in conference play. But I, I think don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, I mean it. With the Big Ten has averaged the highest uh, attendance in the country for over 40 seasons, not counting COVID. They have more big venues than any other league. And I mean, yeah, you know, that's not necessarily important. I mean, look at Duke. It has one of the smallest venues at the Power Six level and obviously one of the best winning percentages at home, particularly under Coach K. Uh, but I mean, it it's tough to play it in a venue of 13, 14, 15,000 fans. And I mean, some of these venues too are old, like uh, Purdue and Indiana and whatnot. The, um, they're old. The they're barn. loud. Yeah. Even, even modern venues like the Breslin center, the Kohl center, um, you know, PBA still get loud, even with modern acoustics and, and being built to be multi-purpose, including hosting concerts and things like that. They're loud, big venues. It's difficult to win in a strange environment like that. And I, yeah, I mean, Purdue and Indiana are basketball schools. They they care about you beating them in basketball. And uh, Purdue this year in particular is only a once at bat at Purdue if if Nebraska beats them, that's going to piss them off so much. You know, I mean, basketball is still number one even in the Big Ten, but you sweep a team in basketball and you still get bragging rights. That that's the thing. You, know? you play on their insecure. That's what I like. Okay, you know, I yeah. when I I did that article, I mean, Northwestern was had the worst home winning percentage, and they won like fifty six to sixty percent of their games. So that's kind of evidence of how hard it is to play on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, do we want to go to – do we want to do predictions? Do you want to do a prediction? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what to predict, honestly, other than um, if I can put, like, an asterisk on it, or like if, if Sam no, really is a point guard who can – It's spreading sunshine. We're spreading sh- sunshine here, even if it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in that case, I'm I'm gonna predict Sam is is a point guard who can run a Big Ten uh, offense, and we can finally get things going. And you're gonna see this team not finish dead last. You're gonna see them finish in the upper half. They're gonna uh, get at least one bye game in the Big Ten tournament, which hasn't happened since like 2018, I think 2017. I, I, they played on Wednesday every time uh, since then. Um, they're going to get at least one bye. I don't think they'll probably finish in the top four for a double bye. But, uh, and they're either going to make the NIT or they're maybe going to make the NCAA tournament even. Um, they're going to have to win some Big Ten games, including road games, to do that, especially with the non-conference schedule. But um, 
yeah, they can. I, I think, I think finally this is the year Hoiberg does in fact turn it around and and have some of the success that we expected of him. I, you know, I want him to be successful because I like Fred Hoiberg. I mean, he's a stand-up professional guy. He's not prone to all the antics that that other guy that got fired was. He's uh, he's a Nebraska guy. And the thing that shocked me or really upset me about last season was all these people that, oh, he should be fired. For what? Not building the worst program ever within three years and you want this other bozo to have eight years? I, my God, it just always shocked me to see the people's response. That Obviously, I could insult them and say they don't pay any attention, but well, uh, that'd be honestly, I'd say right for about 98%. I would like to see us, I don't know, not finish last, beat Minnesota. I mean, Penn State, Northwestern, those programs aren't typically any good. Just win some games, maybe get to the NIT. Uh, what I'd like to see is progress of figuring out this nut that needs to be cracked before Kent Pavelka is gone, and that's how are we going to win an NCAA tournament game? Because I feel like if we do that, then we're just going to be winning Final Fours year after year, year after year. It'd be like pent up demand of the karma of the universe, saying, "Hey, don't those Nebraska people deserve a break?" I mean, I, I I take sweet sixteen or or elite eight trip. Um, you know, I mean, I baby steps. I that would be fun. Um, even making the second uh, game. Um, yeah, I mean, te- technically it's the third round. Uh, you're not a basketball fan if you uh, try and trash talk by not making the NCAA tournament because you played in the play-in mm-hmm. round. It's it's a sixty-eight team tournament that has play-in rounds for the field of sixty-four. Okay. <laughs> Like, don't don't ever be that basketball fan who tries to trash talk and be like, well, you didn't make the tournament because you played in the play-in round. Okay, <laughs> sure. And, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. A, a, a um, car isn't a car. Sure. Okay. You know, go, go sit there. You know, down, I was, I, my wife and I were at the Nebraska Xavier game in which Nebraska was favored. And it was so... God, it wrenching. I mean, Nebraska just became so timid. And what I really remember about the game is, is two things. Number one, Shaquille O'Neal played his last game for in college for LSU before that game. And that guy in person I is proof that it, that possibly aliens walk the earth or some kind of, you know, people that find giants and archaeology digs. Or maybe they're not wrong. But seeing him in person was like, oh, my dear God, this man is a giant. And then uh, Nebraska and Xavier came along, and we just were so, just so timid. I can remember one of our guys catching the ball, not even at the, like at the free throw line with a clear open lane. And he passed the ball off, and I thought, We're, this is done. It was so disappointing. <sighs> All right. I think that's it. Have we got anything else we need to cover? Um, I mean, I, I'll just add to my prediction. I think um, I, I think if things gel the way that they do, you're going to see Nebraska get a couple uh, fun road wins. Um, yeah, I mean, at Maryland would be ripe for the picking, but I think even a, a – only one at bat against Michigan at Michigan. Um, there's at Michigan State. I, I obviously don't want to see that win. No offense, but um, I, I, I think you're going to see wins at programs like that this year if things click the right way, because that's what this season is: is a Big Ten ripe for the picking of, of ending some losing streaks, uh, particularly in road venues. So um, I, I, I think Nebraska ball fans 
can get optimistic about this in in ways that they weren't able to uh, with a Scott Frost led football team. No offense, no, no offense <laughs> intended by that. I mean, it's just, the, heading into this season, it's, it's just okay sort of like, if you well, want to. Yeah, a, a wait and see approach of you know, um, I prove it to me on the court. I, I think, frankly, in year four under Hoiberg. Um, again, a guy who had a proven track record at a major program with enough seasons and there's easy enough to understand ways of it just didn't work out in years prior in ways that make more sense because it they're fixable. They're not systemic. You know, what is this coach doing? Why are we shooting ourselves in the foot by having a, a rugby style punter directing him to punt to one side of the field right? when there's a two return formation that like, why didn't you call a timeout for that? I'm happy you didn't because I was at that game rooting for the other team. But you know, it's like you, you throw the punter under the bus for that, for something that you should have burned a timeout for him. And like, well, shit, maybe we shouldn't have a rugby style punter who isn't always a hundred percent, a you know, reliable way of punting to one particular point on the field. Gee, I, Maybe we should use a timeout and rethink this play call formation. Uh, you don't see that with Hoiberg. It, it's more understandable of just trying to make the pieces work. And some of the pieces go down with injury or they lose uh, so much practice time and uh, health, frankly, with a once in a generation, once in a lifetime pandemic, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, I mean, it's just every single season, there's something understandable for why it hasn't worked. And he's just too good of a coach for it not to at some point. And I, I think there should be more optimism than there is for it being an improvement, basically, is, is I think the takeaway. Um, I'm not sitting here predicting a Final Four or a Big Ten title or even an NCAA tournament necessarily. But, I mean, an, an NIT team is, is still fun. I mean, you've won more games than you lost. That's an improvement. Yeah, wait, I, I think an NIT big. An NIT bid would be, I think, amazing. Honestly, right now, I don't think anybody is. I think people are just beat up over the last year or two of, of the losing and losing, and not just, not just, uh, you know, losing, but some really horrific losses that you scratch. What the hell is even going on? I, you know, from a guy that doesn't really understand basketball strategy and and that kind of stuff, that's what. That's my takeaway, and I hope we turn it around and we have a decent season. And, you know, on a team that's fun to watch, and I think I'll just – we'll close this with this. I Derek Walker I was was so key because last year that guy played so well and so hard and kept fighting all the time through the entire season. You know, when they had that short run there, oh, my God, this thing looks like it – it's supposed to look. It looks like a team coming together and playing basketball together and getting some wins. But I think, you know, Derek Walker, I'm looking forward to probably more than anybody just to see what how much he can hope <clears throat> pull the team along with him. And then maybe or who knows. Yeah, get, getting Walker back was huge. I really can't emphasize <sighs> that enough. He's one of the best yeah. players that they've gotten in the Hoiberg era, frankly. All right, this is uh, John Johnston, Kevin Knight for Coronation and Bangs and Bangs and Rangs and Daggers uh, podcast. And here's the thing with you guys: if you made it all the way through this, uh, I would like to see comments on YouTube or on the Coronation site. 
I, I would like us to cover Nebraska basketball throughout this season. Uh, whether I do game, game reactions or we do some kind of news program where we cover all the sports, uh, let me know what you'd like in content. I know you want college football all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, but it, it it's not possible for God's sakes. And we do have other teams that can be fun at times. And, and that's my outro. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel subscribe to our podcast uh, follow coordinator and on twitter also is our basketball guys at bangs and dags and we'll put that in the show notes and uh you know we're, we're looking forward to maybe a successful nebraska basketball season uh there you go anything to add kevin no i think you got it it's almost basketball season it's one of the best times of the year Go Big Red!